The Uncertain Chapter 3 Memories When I opened my eyes, I could feel hints of panic still lingered. In the back of my neck was cold with sweat, and my hands were clenched in tight fists. As I sat there trying to make sense of what I had dreamt about, I couldn't help but feel as though I wouldn't be getting much sleep. I wasn't sure I wanted to, really. It was a dream. It was just a dream. But it seemed so real. I don't remember falling asleep or sitting down again. I got out of the chair to stretch and shake loose remnants of my sleep. I looked out through the window and noticed that outside the sun had begun to set, which made my decision to stay in the empty cluster of rooms much easier. Since I'd already been welcomed by my leftover inhabitants of this place, and I began to really let myself settle in with my surroundings. The more I moved around, the more I began to feel at ease, and then I recognized that I began to simply feel. I was unsure of what it meant, but I didn't want to ruin the reawakened sense of calm, my newfound sensation of simply being. I began to understand some forgotten pieces of my persona and purpose. Would you all be willing to hear them, I thought, in regards to my adopted furniture? Would you be willing to lend me your ears in order to help me make sense of the accidental progress I may have made in my dream? I remember. I started to tell them, preparing to share with them an unknown story of my development. It seemed it was only right for me to share it the bit of my past I'd unlocked as they had so graciously opened up theirs to me. I remember a bit of my childhood, bits and pieces really, both good and bad, but they're mine, and I hesitantly have come to claim them as such. I remember. A smile formed in my lips. I didn't remember last time that happened. I remember playing outside, trying my best to find anything new and exciting, and maybe even get into a little bit of trouble. I was always driven by intrigue, for you see, I'd always been told that there was nothing left to find or do or say that hadn't been done already. I never believed such lies, and so they only further fueled my conspicuous curiosity. I knew of wonder and thrill and excitement long before I had learned of disappointment, fear, and disbelief. I remember a place with trees. There was water, there was plenty of sun and shade, but most importantly, there was my determination to be part of it all. I felt each of my companions, my subjects as they seemed, listening closely more intently, anxious to find out more of what might happen, but also equally excited to just feel a part of something once again. That was something we'd now have in common. They felt eased to have life near them and to have been given the reassurance that they were still able to serve a purpose to someone. There was a walkway near where I used to spend my days and a small fence that was not well put together. You could tell by its appearance it served as both a guide and prohibitive force for those too fearful of the unexplored. A small brown wooden fence painted over to make it blend into its surroundings. I recall hopping over it to get started on my miniature quests. Whether or not it was necessary, I don't recall, but I know it added to the sense of wonder. I walked the path that I am sure has now been overtaken by plants. Time's attempt to manipulate nature so that the paths of others can be forgotten, no doubt, I thought. 
I looked down at the ground when I walked to see if anything at my feet would lead to some sort of treasure or lost land. I always looked for things to climb or jump on or possibly both mimicking what I would think an animal would do. My favorite walkway, one too small for any adult to tread through, went down towards the water and as I walked down I always stopped and admired exactly what my eyes saw. The flowing trees, the wild berry bushes, the sounds of animals shuffling through the brush and the path that never seemed to forget how much I enjoy surprises. I also knew that what I didn't see would be far less kind, but I appreciated and respected those aspects. Many different, and at the time, seemingly exotic plants were both in front of and behind me. I often wondered if they were trying to cover up my steps to make it more challenging for me to find my way back, but I welcomed the challenge, perhaps foolishly, but eagerly. This place was always so beautiful, always so peaceful. Nothing beyond those moments was ever an issue, and everything within them was all that mattered. Only when I was older did I notice that there was a road just on the other side, but still, beyond the road was a hill, big enough to shelter a vast area from the sun, but small enough to climb in the small part of a day. What I particularly remember about this hill, however, is growing out of the side was a tree. It wasn't a big tree, or one that bore fruit, or was even significant to the vast hillside's demeanor, but I do remember it had flowers only be barely beginning to blossom when I saw them. I'd always thought each flower, with each of its petals, was unique to one another, each one its own entity with their own purpose. Some would try to reach farther than the rest off the side of the hill, a few in an attempt to learn the story of how their tree came to be in such an odd place. Most of them just wanted to absorb as much of the sun as possible in the day, although quite possibly there were those who wondered if they were as glorious and beautiful as the other flowers, not knowing it was still too soon to tell. Then there was the sky. It was clear and blue, and it was above this silent ballet, but not too good for any of it. It was above because it had to be, because it had its own responsibility to fulfill. I felt it was often admiring the scenery with me once it received a break in pushing the clouds forward to wherever it was they were to be deployed. Most times, I felt the sky was welcoming me from time to time to a reunion to which I'd been overdue at arriving. I was unaware that my desire to be influenced was equal to that of the sceneries, which I'd only thought of as a land of mystique, desire to be influential. After I'd been back and forth a few times in what I'd now come to know as the true world, it was almost instinctual knowing to mind where I stepped and rely on my surroundings. Rocks led down to the water to my then, and still now, trained eyes. They looked like they'd been made to be stairs. It was only after time had passed, it seemed, that rocks had learned to pull themselves with much difficulty to new places they'd wanted to reach or had quite possibly originally wanted to be. Despite my frustration at them for trying to confuse me, I used them regardless and not soon after found myself on my back in the sand. I remember my feet seeming to always move toward the water. I got excited any time I would look out and at the boulders that I would dub my lily pads. My feet would begin to move and I was jumping and leaping from rock to rock. Sometimes it felt as if the rocks were following me, cheering me on from beneath my feet and they appeared when I needed them to, never allowing me to misstep or lose my focus. I was never sure of where I wanted to end up whether it was just sitting on a boulder in the middle of the water or finding new paths to get me across and then back again. 
Once I began to let go and every moment and every thought became pure instinct, my next move would occur before I had time to think about the previous one. A nature-made game board, I admitted, calling it to myself. I sometimes looked back after navigating over the water and smiled at the game I'd played, proud to have tried something new and prouder still to have succeeded. The calm waterbed and I had agreed on rules. It would allow me some rocks or boulders and I would use them as best as I could while attempting not to get wet. A slip of the foot here and there was alright, but once I fell in or got stuck with nowhere to go but backwards, I lost. But that rarely happened. I stood up to give myself a break and to venture out into the other rooms in an attempt to find some way to keep myself warm during the night. The chair, I could feel, was growing tired of my weight, not because I was heavy, but because it was out of practice. So, out of understanding, I felt it was time for me to switch to something more comfortable. I moved it back under the table, pushed it in, and patted it on the back. I saw no fireplace, which oddly relieved me after having woken up from my dream earlier. I instead decided I would rest on the couch. I found two candles on a dresser in the same room and hoped they'd be enough to keep me warm, or at least held enough wick to help me get a makeshift fire for myself. And what could I put the fire into? I didn't want to burn my new sanctuary away. Squinting while I searched as the rooms began to grow darker, I was able to make out a small pail. Metal. Good. This'll work. I grabbed one of the candles, the smallest one. I realized I had nothing to light it with. What are the odds? I decided to check around in the dresser drawers where I found them. A lighter? No, matches. If anything, they'd have to have had matches at least. I reached my hand around the back of the top drawer. Nothing. The second drawer? Just some papers, but what good is paper if I have no fire to put them into? I reached for the side drawer. It was smaller, so it would have more promise, at least that's what I had learned in my experience. I reached in, almost expecting to be disappointed when my finger slipped over a small box. I grip it with my thumb and index finger and pull it out. To my delight, it was in fact a matchbox, faded writing and a picture on the front and reminded me of how long this place had been empty, or at least how long someone had been holding on to the matchbox. I shook it first to save myself the pain of having to see there was nothing there with my eyes, but I'd only be disappointed in being wrong. Only three, but all I need is one. I struck it against the side and put it on the candle. Not enough wick, so I tossed it into the bucket so that it could at least serve some function in the makeshift fireplace. I reached to grab the second candle, which was less used. Match number two. Put it to the wick and to my relief had something to help me get through the night. I began to wonder as I sat on the couch tossing a few of the papers I'd found into the bucket to feed the fire. What else do I remember? Then I paused at the thought of trying to remember because I no longer had an audience. There was only me to retell and listen to the story. I took a deep breath, thought of what I'd already said, and again began to smile. I'm the only one that needs to hear, I suppose. After all... It is my story. I closed my eyes and smiled at the idea of how most times my natural audience would congratulate me after playing a game so well. Then I'd put one hand in the water and feel the calm it released and I'd sit there, seemingly floating on top of the water and being carried away. 
My mind was cleared and my heartbeat was instantaneously quieted. I sat and remembered the game I'd played. I remembered the sound of the water I'd not seen in a long time, and I remembered the true meaning of harmony. Now I knew this was not a memory invoked simply to reminisce of how to play and laugh. I was meant to allow myself to be relaxed and solidify my somewhat rickety foundation. There were no thoughts to forget because there would all being released, let go of as they were meant to be. I realized that above anything else, it was me I remember the most. It was me I was learning to let go of. Trying to hold on to who I thought I should be and how I thought I should be created a nightmare. I can't find who I am in the constant bombardment of questions because it's not enough. I should remember to let go of what I think I know when I begin to feel overwhelmed. That way I can remember the surprising simplicity I found when all I had to satisfy was my sense of adventure. Who I am is a reflection of what I've done. What I've done has happened because of where I've been. My history has brought me to my present and the present guides me forward. It was this thought that helped me understand what I should remember. I thought of the sky's hands coming onto my shoulders. The sun would close its eyes and bow its head in acknowledgement of my understanding. I'd look back at the stone pathway and see that the water was pointing me in a direction when really I thought it was just going with the flow. I would think we'd all just be having fun and playing as we did when we were younger, but I see it was only a lure towards transcendental reflection. I'd applaud them and all their sneaky but witty work, and before leaving the four of us would sit in silence knowing we'd accomplished so much. I took a deep breath and dipped both my hands into the water. This was not something I'd done in the time, but rather something I'd imagined I would do right now. I'd rub them together, put them in once more, but this time I'd rub the water onto my forearms, then onto my face. As it slowly dripped down my face and arms, I felt it, all of it, washing away my guilt and fear. I wasn't recollecting a physical awakening. I was witnessing my own mental arousing, the development of my soul and expanding of my spirit. For now, I knew I could not only acknowledge my many thoughts, but I could control them. I began to think of my past, of my future, and of my present, and then I was there, here, and then it was all me. These thoughts would be the catalyst for what I would allow myself to know and understand next. I had no intention of understanding. I just wanted to open up to my new friends. Before I knew it, I was endowed with memories my spirit had been keeping to itself, the memories that had made me who I am. Even the bad thoughts I welcomed, although it wasn't easy. The harsh, the nearly nightmarish yet circumstantial pieces of my past that drove me to insanity and out into sanity shortly thereafter. As a child, not only was this a place of wonder for me, but also a place of refuge, my sanctuary, a world in which I could escape to when the one I was born into became overbearing and unkind. It's my fault I lost sight of my memories. I taught myself to hide too well from what I couldn't face, and so what I couldn't face eventually became false to me. It was like being lost in a world full of opportunities for both those around me and myself. I could gaze and wonder at the future, but was tragically tethered to my past to be part of a struggle. A struggle that no matter how hard I tried or 
what I did, the outcome of which was never going to be what I wanted. While I was off trying to postpone my own deterioration, others were suffering in my place. It's all beginning to come back to me. I remember the beginning, I remember who I am, but most importantly, I remember what I know. As I lay my head down, I was hit with another thought. Sometimes, the things we've witnessed, whatever it is we might know, can be a burden, especially if they've always been depicted as harmless and normal. I lay there, watching the flickering of the fire. With each small burst of light, my eyes blinked. My chest grew warm, and what I hoped was my last thought filtered through my mind. I have to be careful. I have to make sure I don't let the flames get out of control. Each tiny ember holds in it great potential, deadly and lethal potential, just like calculated actions of misguided people.